breakfast to you all on the eve. We are on the eve of PreachCon 2022 tickets going on sale. Yes, we will be here 24 hours from now in preparation for what is likely to be the biggest coming together of friends that have been absent, missing, and lost for the last couple of years thanks to our global pandemic. It will be back tomorrow, and we will be putting those tickets out there for you to pick them up and get confirmed and get sorted and get everything you need. As usual, our website supports and stuff. We'll get them slightly earlier, and they'll be out on public sale, as we do every year. And I am more than excited to finally get to spend so much IRL time with you guys. And it's going to be good. This year, we will. I have given everybody the day off, and they have quarters and i will be there to spend the second day with you guys enjoying time instead of the usual disappearing acts i have to do after PreachCon. we have arranged it so that i can just spend time with you all having fun being wonderful and enjoying our time as well as of course our wonderful stage show and live things that we'll be doing there so yes i will be streaming tomorrow we will be here the tickets go on sale at 7 p.m it's currently 4 p.m right now here in the uk so you can plan it it's 27 hours from this point the tickets will... Well, it's actually 16.03 here right now, which means uh, if things are, happen traditionally, uh, it will be sold out by now. It usually sells out in the first couple of minutes, barring somebody, like, scrambling and holding on to the tickets because they're looking for their card or whatever to get it done. The tickets will be on sale on Eventbrite, so if you want to get your tickets, you can make your account now on eventbrite.com. That's where they will be available for you. So get ready for that. The simple process is, if you've never been there, never been through it before and you want to come, uh, is that when we release it, the link will appear in the chat and then you can click it and you can go ahead and get them. Uh, we are limiting it to four tickets each. That's right, Bex, isn't it? So maximum four tickets. That's only because in previous years we had some people try and like buy 15 and then had no intention of buying them just holding on to them <laughs> until the timer ran out, things like that. So it will be four tickets per person uh, who can pick them up, all right? So you can make arrangements that way. Price is going to be at the till. So this is including all the little fucking fees that ticket people add on at the end. It will be $43.40, I believe. $43.40 is the ticket. So we're aiming for a pure break-even. PreachCon is a non-profit that's how we run it. So that is what you'll see at the till, at the finale. It will be 43.40 and 44 cents. Yeah, it's something like that. It's 43.44 uh, that you will get all included, all done, all sorted. So I look forward very much and hope that everybody who's looking forward to coming gets their tickets uh, so we can enjoy it. And, and then I can give you more details on it <laughs> so we can have fun with it. Pounds? No, dollars. That is in dollars. It will be cheaper in, in it'll be less. The number will be smaller in pounds. Uh, so it's 43 American dollars, 43 American dollars and 40 American cents is what it will be, okay? American, Team USA, all right? In freedom coins, yes, it's 43 freedom coins and 44 freedom mini coins is what it's going to be. So translate that into whatever your local currency is and that will be what it is. Yes, it's cheaper than you thought. Yes, we've kept it very cheap. We've... Uh, in context, we were planning to do an organized second day where we rented a facility, where we could have had a party and stuff like that. I talked about it earlier. I wanted a phone party. Uh, but it actually makes sense to make the tickets way cheaper for you guys, not do an organized second day and have everybody available for the second day so we can spend the time together and have fun and do all those kind of things. Uh, the Patreons also get a heads up for the link? Yes. So if you are a website supporter or a Patreon supporter, you get a heads up on the link. 
uh, as per usual but don't try like ninja joining now <laughs> that's not going to help you out we have we have taken the roster so that people don't try and slip in and then slip back out like the slippery devils in the night what's a foam party it's where there's a foam cannon that shoots foam over everybody uh you will get them via email uh, you will get them via email, okay? So if you have been a current website supporter or a Patreon, then you will get them uh, just via your email address. It will appear whatever your email is registered to on those websites. Yep, uh, simple. He's like, "Is that like God or is something Sheffield?" Well, we actually announced it in January. Uh, the date for PreachCon was announced back in January. It's just the tickets that are going on sale tomorrow. Uh, will I have a rave this year? Not a rave, no. But, you know, <laughs> not a rave. It turned out a lot of people don't want that. Uh, as much as I want that, a lot of people don't want that, which is fine. Which is, that's okay, that's okay. My aspirations for a wild and wet foam party with glow sticks and everybody in uh, swim trunks and bikinis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not quite the dream of everybody else. My dream, but not everybody else's dream. Okay. <laughs> dated pre-Christmas. Yeah, it was dated a long way ago. Uh, it was. Uh, we've, we've had it pinned as our Twitter message for a very, very, very long time. Uh, when is PreachCon? It is on August 3rd, I believe. Wednesday, the August 3rd. I think I'm right on that. Uh, yes, Wednesday, August 3rd. So August 3rd will be the official live show. Uh, that's when we do things. Uh, people tend to arrive on the Monday or the Sunday and they basically party and enjoy the, each other's company for the whole week. Uh, so Wednesday is the live show and Thursday we will be hanging around with everybody. Uh, so it's good. The witch run is always fun. That is the Friday. If you are staying till the Friday, which a lot of people do, a lot of people stay for the whole week, uh, Emma likely organizes a night out at the Witchwood. Um, for those of you who are enjoying uh, every celebration, it's usually pretty good. In other words, it's a really fun week with a lot of really fun people. Uh, can't recommend it enough, even as a non-guest, because everybody I've never had anybody not come to PreachCon and not just leave with the biggest smile on their face. So I hope uh, I hope everybody wants a ticket, gets a ticket. But tomorrow, the tickets will be on sale, and I'm looking forward to it. Train station meetup is Tuesday. There you can see, there's already, there's already things happening. So if you are coming, I will say, if you get a ticket and you're watching this and you're coming... Uh, make sure you join the discords because there's usually a whatsapp group and all sorts of things with all the different little mini events people are organizing throughout the week whether that be meetups in the man it is in manchester so if it's a meetup in manchester city at the train station going for dinner together all that kind of stuff if you're interested in that and meeting people if you're coming on your own have no fears loads of people come on their own you'll leave with friends uh everybody there is there to have a good time and a very welcoming all that kind of stuff so you you're gonna be fine you're going to be absolutely fine. So have no fears about coming on your own. Join the Discords, join the WhatsApps, and uh, join the Twitch chats as well, because the likelihood is you'll be talking to the people that you're going to be meeting, which helps you out massively. So look forward to that. That is tomorrow. Uh, it's not why you're here right now, though. Let's have some fun. Let's finish this week out in fun, because I am the Chocobo God. As we come to the end of Final Fantasy IX, I have been fully embracing... <laughs> fully embracing the uh chocobo hunt that is in that game uh probably not going to see it through to the end though unfortunately it's a very strange decision they made is to put some content behind a mini game uh <laughs> embracing he says yeah uh begrudgingly embracing let's put it that way begrudgingly embracing uh, what has been an absolutely tremendous story, though. Very, very enjoyable Final Fantasy game. It's characters, good story. Really like it. But we're starting with an odd one that Bex has pointed out is one that she very much enjoys, which is hailing from Team Australia. 
Hailing from Team Australia. Mmm. Oh, Team Australia. The pumpkin thief of Australia. Who would that be? I wonder. Oh, God. Look, I'm getting a mohawk. Yikers. The pumpkin thief of Australia. I'm getting the old mohawk going on. <clears throat> Alright, let's have some fun. Let's see what Bex has prepared for us and what you wonderful people have sent in for us this week. If you're new to Drama Time, it's pretty simple. People sending their stories of the weird and wonderful things that happen across the internet, especially with the power of anonymity. And uh, we celebrate that and also presents you with some red flags to watch out for. If you're ever looking for statics, free companies, guilds, whatever clans, whatever game might be your poison. Good day! Good day, Mike, Bex, and the chat. Today, I have a rather dramatic story for you all. From rural Australia. Okay, so this is desert-bound. Hmm. It involves, it involves thieves, conspiracy, and a colostomy bag. Ew. This is the tale of the great pumpkin thief and how it was a bigger drama than the local servers getting robbed for the umpteenth time. The reality is this is a Facebook post that turned sour. Oh, God. <laughs> And worst of all, this was a Facebook Facebook started drama between two old ladies on our local Australian community page. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you all about it. The details are the same. Alright, does this not involve a game? Is this our first ever drama that doesn't involve a game? Mm. So let me set the scene for you all. We're in rural Australia, the outback. It is the bi-yearly food and family fair. Because we have nothing going on in our lives, this is a big deal. Oh, God. <laughs> it has, wait for it, fireworks, a small Ferris wheel, no roller coasters or bumper... Uh, we have clar clarity on this. No roller coasters or bumper cars, literally just a Ferris wheel that comes out of somebody's shed because he happens to own a Ferris wheel. <laughs> Not but. <laughs> Who happens to own a Ferris wheel? What kind of human being happens to own a Ferris wheel that they keep in their shed? Where did you even pick one of those up? Okay. He even has a race that happens at the speedway. I cannot, I cannot stress enough, Mike and audience. This is a very big deal. Okay. Okay. But the most important. The absolute pinnacle attraction of everything is the fruit and vegetable showing contest. This is when min-maxers of the local farms and elitist hobbyists get to show off their huge, juicy, mouth-watering aubergines. We're min-maxing aubergines. Okay. Or some other less erotic vegetables. And then they are judged by the pinnacle elitists. Okay. I'm not sure what happens because the only people who realistically ever give a fuck about this are over the age of 65. <laughs> okay. We have a rule where we live. What happens at the food fair stays at the food fair. Until now. Let me get you to the drama. So, the vegetable contest of the fair itself has concluded. Everything is being packed away, but there has been a crime. A ghastly event has taken place. 
The unspeakable has happened, my friends. Somebody has stole a competitive pumpkin. Why did you send me this? <laughs> I don't ask for much, but one of the themes is around video games. Why are you sending me this? And Bex, why is this in front of me? <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, Bex says it's amazing. Okay. Maybe this opens us up to a whole new world. I don't know. Let's go. <clears throat> Red alert has been sounded out amongst the town's populace. There is a thief in our small community. Apparently to the parties involved... The type of pumpkin is crucial. It was called a grammar pumpkin. I had to Google it. It looks like a huge dick. Note from Bex. Mike, I did the honors and I found you a video on these giant dick pumpkins. <laughs> Watch because he holds it in a way that I think you'll enjoy. Okay, this is not great for our audio listeners. Sorry, but uh, we'll try and remember to put the link in the YouTube video. <clears throat> Is this against TOS? Oh, what? Am I going to need headphones here? I guess I, I guess I do. <clears throat> How we going, everyone? I'm just watching these dogs run. They're going crazy. Uh, we've got a man who has a very large garden. <laughs> Quick tip: tomatoes. You know, I've been talking about tomatoes the last couple. All right, of days. he's telling us about his tomatoes. Is so there a timestamp, Bex? Haven't got the big malakas. Or you got one big mouth. We're looking at a very uh, an older man, but he's definitely healthy to the point where his nipples are protruding the shirt. In fact, if it's a self-sown tomato, even better. Take the side shoots off. You saw it has a timestamp. Hold on. Come over here. Ninety-eight. Now you can dip it in some hormone powder if you like. Come over, pick up some stock, and he dropped me off one of these. Holy fuck! That is okay. We've now seen the dick pumpkin. It's a bent dick, so it's flaccid, but it does appear to have testicles. Uh, it's a green and yellow dick pumpkin. Is that a gourd? He goes, no. I go, is that a pumpkin? He goes, no. It's a grammar. I go, it's a grammar. I haven't grown a grammar before. What's a grammar? He goes, it's a pumpkin. I said, well, that's what I just said. He goes, no, but it's a type of pumpkin, like a cultivar. So it's not that big. <laughs> It's a grammar pumpkin. Okay. I think we're all clear on what the grammar pumpkin is. Uh, <clears throat> but we... Yeah, okay, he does hold it a bit like a dick. Like He's cupping the balls, is what I can tell you, audio people. He's cupping the balls, uh, but he's using his left hand to cup what I would describe as the head uh, of the grammar pumpkin. So we're all up to speed on what has been stolen. <clears throat> yeah, he's supporting as well. He's cupping the balls. you got re you got to re respect that. Now... Let me tell you of the pump, of the victim to this crime, Bullgate. She was fucking pissed. She went straight away to the local online watering hole. She started out by saying that she knew. She fucking knew who the culprit was. She knew the person who had to stolen her prize-winning pumpkin. And they should come forward and bring it back and all will be put at ease. Now, the most common question that was brought up by the local populace was, if you know who did it, why not approach them directly? Or maybe just call them out, name and shame them. 
Some smarter folks just said to go and ask Alahad, who ran the vegetable and fruit contest, if he knew anything. Bullgate was bluffing, but she played the victim card even more. She explained her tale of woe. Bullgate explained that Alahad knew, and he wasn't doing anything about it. Bullgate's husband had entered not one, but two thick, juicy cock pumpkins. One with a grand weight of 26 and a half kilos, and another at 21 kilos. Both of them had won first prize for different categories of dick pumpkin. Her husband was told to go and collect the pumpkins at the next Monday when he came home with the bigger pumpkin and only the bigger pumpkin. Bullgate immediately asked, what the fuck? Where is my cock pumpkin? And he replied that Vulgate. He replied that Vulgate apparently had made a deal with marmalade for the smaller pumpkin to spread the seeds. Vulgate returned to a default mindset of pure, unadulterated rage and explaining that she had not made any fucking deal for those sweet, sweet dick seeds. Alahad had just given away her prime pumpkin and made up a fucking story. She instantly went to, is this fair legit? Is this a conspiracy by Big Pumpkin to cover up stealing her seeds and her giant pumpkins? Now, I believe in these here parts of the world, in these here part of the worlds, that Vulgate did next was called shenanigans. Enter the big cheese, the big kahuna, the prime old lady herself, Kalia. Now, you see, Kalia runs the fair. And in her best dealing with client tone, she explained in subtle terms, this whole thing is bullshit. Directed at Vulgate, Kalia explained to her that this was just a simple misunderstanding. You see, Alahad, the steward of the fruit and vegetable competition, has been running that event for over 60 years. And of those 60 years, this is his first mistake. He has been working 16 days straight for sometimes 12 plus hours squeezing the shit out of all these pumpkins and this is the last time he's going to do it. Alahad is old AF. Alahad made a simple error and gave her pumpkin away. He gave the wrong pumpkin to the wrong person. Someone else also had requested that their pumpkin entry be given to Marmalade for the seeds, and Alahad just simply had given Vulgate's pumpkin to Marmalade by mistake. Alahad did try to explain to Vulgate that, I'm sorry, it's a mistake. Kalir apologized and says that Marmalade would be heartbroken that he got the wrong pumpkin, and would gladly return your pumpkin to you. Kalia might have laid down the truth, but Vulgate was in eternal rage after the amount of effort she had put in to caress this giant cock pumpkin. She explains that the fair is poorly run. It's a shambles. And that this should have been handled way better and with more tact. Plus, Marmalade has not answered the phone at all and she has been calling non-stop. Who knows what's happened to her pumpkin at this point? After the last post... Silence had fallen. Nobody was speaking to each other for a few days. But the locals wanted justice. Answers. Resolution. Even me, the humble narrator of this tale, needed an ending. Closure. 
to this situation. So kindly, Vulgate posted to Facebook with that conclusion. Now, I wish I could say something dramatic happened, like that the pumpkin had been harvested for its precious seeds and it was being sent back to her in small paper bags bit by bit. All that the pumpkin marmalade had had was not the same one that Vulgate's hubby and Kalea ran off with the prized one. Like it was some sort of deep, big pumpkin scam. But the reality was that Marmalade gladly just gave it back to her and didn't know what the whole problem was. <laughs> you dick. You fucking dickhead. <laughs> I want my pumpkin back. Alright. It was so easy. It was so easy that Vulgate even gave Marmalade some of the seeds. It was wholesome. Now, this should be the end of the tale, but it's not. Because everybody who had been following this tale in our small, tight-knit community were pissed off that something more dramatic hadn't happened. Oh my god, they were out for blood. For a place where the local tourist attraction is that the trees turn purple during spring, this was the best bit of excitement that we had had in ages. And we were angry, angry that it had ended peacefully. We start demanding that the fruit and vegetable contest now has multiple adjudicators and official forms. <laughs> so everything was totally fine and you decided to impose more bureaucracy all over it. Just, just to have some sort of say. Just to have something to do. Mike and audience, I need help. I need help. And it's not help to do with pumpkins. I need to go back to a city. I'm writing to you pleading for help. I moved to this place and it's killing my soul. I was genuinely so excited about the pumpkins that I have to leave. I left the country for a reason. I should never have come back. I should not be writing to you on drama time about pumpkin thieves. Please someone help me. <laughs> I'm afraid it's too late. I'm afraid it's too late, brother. We wish you the best, but this is this you dug this hole and now you must live there. I'm sorry, but you've got to stay there now, right? I mean, we can't help you. I I'm I could reach a hand out to you through the screen, but it would just be met with glass, I'm afraid. It would just be met with glass. The end, Chef's Kiss. Please help. What could we do to help? I can't move your house, man. I can't do that. <clears throat> oh, God. <clears throat> oh, my God. The PTR is best for roleplay. Oh, okay. Sure. <clears throat> sure. I'm sure it is. Not, uh, none of con? Okay. Oh, we need three guild names. All right, live audience, we need three guild names. Uh, we need one that sounds like a paladin only guild. Guild two can be anything. And guild three needs to revolve around night elves in some way. So. Shard fears. Oh, God, that's an epic name. Shard fears. Okay, what do we got? Uh, 
The squishy pumpkins. Okay. Blades of righteousness. Oh, lovely. What's the night elf one? Trees a crowd. Okay. Trees a crowd. Okay. And the squishy pumpkins. Ah, trees a crowd. There we go. We've got the blades of righteousness. Trees a crowd and the squishy pumpkins. All right. Perfect. Greetings, Mike, an esteemed audience. I've been watching Drama Time for nearly eight years now. And throughout my time as an avid RPer in the Warcraft cosmos, I find myself exposed to all manner of drama-worthy stories. But this particular story isn't about me exactly. Rather, it's a chronicle detailing an unknown society existing within the shadows of Warcraft's underbelly. A wretched hive of scum and villainy and a cesspool to rule all cesspools. This, de this, will, this tale that I tell you will detail the rise and fall of kingdoms, male human paladins, the bane of every roleplayer, and character template subterfuge, along with being a treatise on an aspect of the game that most would never otherwise hear about. Okay. I am talking about the very, very serious PTR roleplay. <clears throat> now... Several questions may arise from that sentence alone. Namely, questions like, why? <laughs> That's a good question. That's where I would start. That's where I would start. And perhaps, how? To elucidate the subject, I'll start by offering a little explanation for you, unaware of this. Most of you know of the public test realm as a place where new content is available for public testing by the masses before it is released to everybody else. Anybody and everybody can access the PTR as long as they have an active WoW subscription. Sometime during Mists of Pandaria, however, it was discovered by some players that an active subscription was not actually necessary to get on the PTR. Even accounts with lapsed subs could waltz past the golden gates and feast on the content within. Did they change this? I kind of thought this had been this way for a while, is you didn't even need a WoW account to play the PTR. You just had the ability... You could just download it. Am I right on that or wrong on that? Any knowers? So like a cluster of amoebas, enough of these players coalesced to form a thriving microbiome within the PTR. Rejects from the largest RP servers like Moonguard and Argent Dawn trickled down into the dregs of humanity, forming possibly the worst possible variety of WoW roleplay I have ever witnessed. People, for example, who think the past tense of say is said. <laughs> S-A-Y-E-D. Now, as you can imagine, most of them are children or teenagers who were cut off from their parents' credit cards and couldn't afford to play World of Warcraft. Ah, the paradise of the PTR. I was not one of those children. That is to say, my parents were perfectly happy to continue paying for my WoW sub because my dad was also addicted to WoW. Mm. My own WoW story begins at the tail end of the Cataclysm, but I wouldn't discover the existence of Test Realms until much, much later, around the beginning of Patch 5.3. The first time I created a character in an Asterion or Brill, it was like entering the Garden of Eden. The instant gratification was utterly intoxicating. 
Not only was I getting blasted with new story content I'd been desperately waiting for, but Mops PTR had the wonderful boon of character templates. No longer did I have to slog through 90 levels of questing and dungeons in order to try out different classes. Furthermore, the PTR also supplied you with a full set of top-level raiding and PvP gear, along with all the gems and enchants I could ever want. I was in hog heaven. Using my newfound power of instant level 90 raid characters, I surged forth to test every class I could. I spent my time reading... <laughs> Noxic. Wow, that's a name I've not heard for a very long time. Wow. To find the optimal stats for each of my specs, I ran them through the gauntlet of the Brawler's Guild, back when it was actually quite hard, and dueled unsuspecting PTR testers in the Shrine of the Two Moons. So, the beginning of this tale is Chapter 1, of course, Kingdom Come. This honeymoon phase was fleeting, however. The trouble with instant gratification is that it doesn't last... I became a little bored of creating one character after the next and began to hang around the capitals for each respective faction. That's when I started to notice the messages. Maybe I hadn't noticed them in the swirling vortex of theoretical space that is trade chat, or maybe I was simply busy with my armada of character templates. I did notice that, only, that they only ever appeared when I was on my few alliance characters. Trade chat message. Looking for more. Kingdom RP. Whisper for invite. At this point, I must confess to you all, I was something of a role player myself. I had been a role player for many, many years across a multitude of platforms. Throughout my journeys, I gained something of a refined palette for role play. Only the best of the best would satiate my tastes. I could even be considered by many as a role play elitist. Despite not actually being very interesting uh, not being a very interesting writer at the time but in the ptr i realized that i could be the big fish in a very little pond the orange passing fire mage to mr sea of greys flaunting my grossly incandescent mites before the plebs and the fucking paws it was like being the most chad player in an lfr progression guild the feeling was too tempting to ignore, and let me tell you, Mike, whispering that trade chat advert was like entering the world of Jumanji itself. Now, some of you may be wondering, if you're not part of the roleplay community, what is Kingdom Roleplay? How does it work? It was apparently a very common practice on Moonguard on the Alliance. However, as someone who only ever played Horde, I never found myself exposed to it. In an active roleplay server like, say, Argent Dawn or Wormrest Accord, RP occurs through a mix of walk-up roleplay, guild roleplay. In the PTR, there literally isn't enough of a population to sustain those usual methods. As such, the hand of fate had been forced. This came in the form of something I had never heard of in my life. But it is called roleplay pugs. I had never seen it before, but this, my friends, is what I discovered and how roleplay pugging works. Upon joining the Kingdom roleplay, you find yourself in a raid group with 3 to 15 other people depending on how long they have been spamming trade chat. Once the group reaches an acceptable amount of people, 
they begin voting on where they shall erect their kingdom. Usually, they choose places like Theramore, Gilneas, Valiant's Keep, Hearthglen, anywhere with painfully generic human structures and a big-ass stone castle. Once the location is democratically chosen amongst the group, the group flies, or begs for summons, over and organizes themselves into single-file line in front of the raid leader. As a member of the Kingdom roleplay, you are apparently expected to come prepared with a series of backstory macros. <laughs> of course. Upon reaching the front of the line, the roleplayer will spam these slash say macros in swift succession, detailing a multi-paragraph backstory for whatever character they've decided to play. I learned that having a longer backstory was apparently a sign of prestige within this group. So mine, that I wrote while being in the queue was around 11 to 15 macros with the full 255 character limit. <clears throat> that must mean you're a really good role player. That must mean you're actually the kind of like the best. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's what that means. You're the best role player. You have so many messages to say. Following this, the raid leader will obviously ignore everything you've written and approve you for the group before moving on to the next person in line. Congratulations, you are now part of the new kingdom. Now, in a traditional WoW roleplay setting, it is typically frowned upon to create law-breaking characters or backstories. Given that these kingdoms were apparently independent monarchies that existed completely out of Warcraft's canonical boundaries, those guidelines didn't exist. I bore witness to backstories for Sandlanes and Seraphims, half-dragon, half-naru chimeras, worgen rogues, with kill counts listed in their add-on. Some of the concepts weren't even from Warcraft at all. It was fucking roleplay chaos. This didn't matter, of course, because now the next stage of this is to assign roles. You can't have an independent feudal society without a king, after all. And so people would call dibs. <laughs> oh, this is genius. Oh, I like this. We're just calling dibs. They were called dibs on either being royal or evil, as they were referred to in your typical kingdom roleplay. They would play as princes, princesses, or villainous dark lords lurking in the shadows. All the role players right now are just like, kill me. <laughs> Fucking kill me. Dibs on king. <laughs> the process of recruiting, finding a location, the backstory roulette, and assigning roles would take approximately an hour of playtime. After which, you'd have the privilege of watching the group stand around in Theramore, Engaging in the most dogshit, banal, mind-numbingly dull plotlines imaginable. The writing was Shadowlands quality. Bastard. Then, after another couple of hours, people would just log off and move on to another pug that was doing something similar and repeat for their entire PTR experience. Is this actually happening somewhere? There's no way. And I've never seen this. I have logged thousands of hours on PTRs and I have never seen this taking place. But then again, why would I go to Theramore or to fucking Hearthland? <laughs> why would I ever go to any of these places during a PTR cycle? And yet for some reason, it was kind of fun. <laughs> I don't roleplay. That's true. I don't roleplay. For some reason, it was kind of fun. And I kept going back to do it again. 
Maybe it's because I like the freedom of creating new anonymous characters every time. Maybe I enjoyed inventing new backstories for each character and farming unique transmogs from old raids. Yes, I'm so sorry to say I farmed old raids on the PTR knowing full well it was a waste of my life. Maybe I was just a bored kid with nothing better to do and couldn't find myself a chocobo farm spot. It was probably the last bit. In a way, the Kingdom RP felt nostalgic for me. You see, WoW wasn't my first rodeo when it came to MMOs. I had my real-life backstory, my experience, and prior to discovering World of Warcraft, I was a veteran of esteemed titles such as Lego Universe and Club Penguin. And let me tell you, Mike, is there a Lego MMO? Bullshit. There's a Lego MMO? I had no idea. Lego Universe. There's a Lego MMO. It closed down pretty quick. Let, let me check the notes on this. Lego Universe is an MMO that was available from October 2010 till January 2012. One year. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. That's pretty tragic. <laughs> end, of Oct end of 2010 to the start of 2012. The game was developed by NetDevil and released in October 2010. With an early opt-in for the Lego founders of October 8th, 2010. Wow. <clears throat> Why did it close down? Let me find out. I need to know now. Uh, oh, it doesn't say. Fuck. The serv oh, here we go. The servers were shut down permanently on January 31st, 2012 because nobody was playing it. A Lego MMO could be really good, though. Like, genuinely, that could be really fucking fun. Like, if you build your own vehicles and shit, build boats, build your own planes. Like, there's a real pod prospect of a Lego MMO being really fun. But, uh, yeah, it was just, it turned out to be just dog, unfortunately. <clears throat> Imagine the in-game store for it, though. Fuck. Well, what do you gotta buy? If you wanna buy certain colored bricks or whatever... As a fun side note, Club Penguin also had a persistent player-run RP war where penguins would amass mighty armies in color-coded uniforms and throw snowballs at one another, pretending that these snowballs were machine guns. The battles were often coordinated in external chat rooms where surgical strikes upon other armies were engineered. I highly encourage you to look up the Club, Peng Club Penguin Army Wiki if you ever want an entertaining read. My experiences in the Club Penguin Wars could make for their own story entirely. Yes, Mike, this is from Bex. I found a Club Penguin army war. And I use that term loosely because I have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> a quick look at the Club, Pem Club Penguin army war. Uh, there's no racism in here, right? Where you all spam the same emote and lag the game out. <laughs> is that what it is? <clears throat> Not for me. 
So coming back to the game, I began to notice several recurring characters throughout the various Kingdom RPs. I soon learned that some of these regulars were a part of a rather close-knit community of PTR RPers who typically avoided the kingdoms, only deigning to participate if they had nothing else going on. Caltrek was one of the first people I met through such means, and she introduced me to the last vestiges of human civilization in these barren lands. Their main place of congregation? Stormwind's Cathedral District which was also the main headquarters for the PTR's only roleplay guilds. Earlier I mentioned that RP and retail WoW tends to mostly occur through guilds, obviously, and that the PTR's population simply lacked the numbers to sustain a variety of guilds. This is true. And for that reason, most everyone was either forced to make their own guild with a precious small handful of people, or join the Mega Guild. The Blades of Righteousness. A paladin guild and a recreation of an existing lore organization that serves the alliance through faith and sword. It was run by Blind Hopes, a rather milquetoast human paladin with the roleplay personality of a, sl- a slice of, sli- of white bread. Nice person though, <laughs> just giga boring. Every guild worth its salt requires a rival, of course. How can we fight our wars? And the Blades of Righteousness was rivaled by none other than the squishy pumpkins. <laughs> this guild was run by one of the most insufferable role players I've ever encountered. Siddhartha. Yes, the squishy pumpkins. If a roleplay realm was capable of having a main antagonist, it was Siddhartha. He was infamous, my friends. Siddhartha was known throughout the realm as a god modder and power gamer, a flaming arsehole who refused to play fairly in RP combat. Whenever his character would quote-unquote die, he'd simply be resurrected by the light an hour later. (laughs) He managed to resurrect himself eight times during one fight, from my knowledge, and that only happened if anyone managed to land a hit. He usually spent most of his time stood AFK, arguing out of character about why his character would be able to dodge any attacks that any of you sent at him. One of the Squishy Pumpkin's main officers was also Sidara's 13-year-old cousin, Shardfears. His backstory, and I shit you not, was as a Pandaren who had learned the power of acid spit through drinking and would just spam slash spit at you. awesome (laughs) absolutely awesome what a player what a gamer (laughs) what a gamer that's why they got rid of the spit emote because shard fears was just taking down too many people baby that's it that's why they did it he was just a monster I learned that Siddhartha's antics weren't opposed by the Blades of Righteousness they didn't really care but rather the edgy underbelly of the PTR roleplay A loose collective of various independent guilds that rose and fell with the wind, typically boasting massive rosters of 15 to 10 characters, where 10 of them were alts. Among them were people like Caltrek and Nonofcon. Nonofcon was a Night Slayer rogue who hung around the Cathedral District, usually preferring to watch from the shadows, regardless of what was going on. I didn't think much of this guy until he became more apparent later. Now, why did I continue this obvious, horrible roleplay on the PTR? Well... For much the same reason I was originally drawn in. I could make new characters freely. 
But instead of making these characters to test out any of the new content to be helpful in some way, I had an endless supply of anonymous, untraceable alts. I could roleplay with someone on one character before quietly logging off to interact with them on a different character. They never suspected a thing. Soon, though, I'd begin to settle into a few consistent of mainstay characters. At the time, I truly believed I was the heavens-sent gift of roleplay. Sent to show these paltry, poors, public test-realm peasants what quality roleplay looked like. And so I took it upon myself, my friends, to make my own contribution to the community. I decided to make my own guild. This would be the first step. The first one I created was th Trees, a crowd. It was a night elf themed guild based in Teldrassil, proudly spearheaded by my character who claimed to be the first monk of a loon. Surprisingly enough, I managed to garner a decent core of members who were quite competent at RP. For lack of any other options, I made this recruitment plan. It was infallible. Step one, make a macro to spam in trade chat. Step two, spam it in trade chat. Step three, for anybody who actually replied, I would start with an out-of-character interview to judge their character, followed by an in-character interview to judge their roleplay. Step four, invite them, only for them to never log in again immediately after joining. The results? I managed to get more people than you might expect, though it was certainly an uphill battle to find people who would ever log in again. I once interviewed an immortal human monk with anime hair and the worst grammar I'd ever seen, and upon rejecting his interview, he chose to whisper to me every swear word he knew in quick succession, which, shockingly, wasn't many. Frankly, I have no idea why I didn't just make an RP guild on live servers like a regular person, but here we are. Trees a crowd thrived, my friends. For a little while. We had banter. In character, out of character. We had a little, few little small RP events. At one point, a couple of members began joking about periods in Gchat. How old are you? And my young mind was very confused as to what was so funny about proper punctuation. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. How old are you? <laughs> oh no it would have been during mop but how old are you oh god and you're in command eh you're the one that's in command <clears throat> that's pretty young 11 10 maybe that's young <clears throat> now it was things like this that i wasn't even aware of that would eventually cause people to leave the guild and sputter out and die <laughs> I'm not surprised. My screening process maybe was too strict in retrospect. But I didn't use Trees of Crowd as an excuse to rest. Hell no. Simultaneously to me running my guild, I made another character by the name of Old Low, a Pandaran Uncle Irotype, who would bartend for the Blue Recluse on Moonguard. On Moonguard, I had found the most RP happened in the tavern, so I wanted to simulate a similar event for the destitute hollows of the PTR. Of course, there was no way this was happening organically, so I facilitated this the only way I knew how. I made an advertisement spam macro. And I spammed it, my friends, all day long. And it fucking worked. It worked. 
Old Lowe's Tavern was a bustling hearth for any weary RP to rest their feet and order the strongest drink on the menu. I used the infinite gold reservoirs of character templates to purchase exotic alcohol from all across Azeroth. From Sulfurian Slammers to Nethergard Bitters, people from both the Blades of Righteousness and the Squishy Pumpkins became regular drinkers. Even Siddhartha had become positively docile and began to play fair, or so I thought. One day, Caltric came up to Old Lowe with a proposition. A chance to dispatch Siddhartha in the tavern. I obviously couldn't abide murder. Old Lowe was a neutral character. His bar, a place of peace and respite. Besides, I knew that he'd just resurrect himself, rendering the entire scene a little pointless. Caltrek, however, wouldn't take no for an answer. The resulting chaos was a blur that completely cleared the tavern of all its play patrons and somehow ended up with Siddhartha stripped of his armor in a nearby alley. Utilizing my power of having infinite characters, I logged on to my spy character, a mysterious rogue who secretly worked for Trees of Crowd, as well as Old Low. With Siddhartha still slash sleeping in an alleyway, I realized this could be an opportunity to make an advantageous political move on Siddhartha the jerkface and somehow bring my guild into the big leagues. I unstealthed near the prone paladin. My rogue introduced himself as a friend of old Lowe's and someone who would take this naked man to safety. What ensued was me Metal Gear-esque stealth mission, where my rogue carried him all the way to the Stormwind docks, then to Darnassus, where I decide what my actual plan was, because I had no fucking idea. I wanted him to think that my rogue and the Trees of Crowd GM were played by different people, so I played the brilliant psychological tactic of making him wait 15 minutes for me to re-log, <laughs> so he wouldn't suspect anything. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> He'll be along in a minute, I'm sure. And now we make him wait 15 minutes for it to log in. This is genius. This did not work out as I hoped. For upon my return, three of his guildies, including Shard of Fears, had materialized into the building and his weapons had inexplicably reappeared. I panicked. I icily informed them that they were in a Darnassian territory and that they'd, be, they'd best surrender their weapons to the Sentinels. They replied with hostility. Siddhartha then proposed that the dispute be settled via a turn-based slash roll battle <laughs> whereupon Siddhartha's goons were apparently able to defeat my character and kill me in a single turn without me having the chance to reply. As a last-ditch effort, I pulled Blizzard's favorite writing trope as my character suddenly was surrounded by a protective shield from the light of a loon herself. Siddhartha was pissed off at this development. He angrily whispered me, insisting I was a pussy bitch for not allowing my character to die and later get rested. I tried to explain that it made no sense for his character to be attacking mine in an area full of guards, and that most people viewed character death with a sense of finality. He told me I was a little bitch and ignored me. I later went on to speak with blind hopes about the incident as we were discussing our respective guilds, and he politely informed me that he kept the hell away from Siddhartha from a, for a good reason. I ended up abandoning Treza Crowd shortly after. Armed with newfound knowledge and experience of having run my first PTR roleplay guild at the ripe age of 12. You're 12 and you don't know what periods are? Bruh. Bruh. Your parents done goofed you. They goofed you. 
This was, of course, as you can imagine, unfortunately, the beginning of the end. Because you know what was coming on the horizon. What expansion was looming. Warlords of Draenor were starting to come up over the mountains. And I had never felt more excited for anything in my entire life. I saw new character models appearing on the PTR. I was so giddy my levels were going through the roof. I'd lie to you not, Mike. I would lie awake at night, hoping and praying that my email notifier would go off that I had been let into the closed beta. And it never came. Throughout the end of 5.4's patch lull, I decided to take my PTR endeavors and focus on personal stories. I began to roleplay more often with Nonofcon, the Night Slayer Rogue. We eventually added one another on Skype to communicate outside of the game. He usually made his avatar and name references to Batman. <laughs> when he said he had matured a bit, he changed it to Geralt of Rivia. With the killing monsters quote as his status. I'm kind of a grown up now. I got my first pube. I'm now no longer Batman. I'm Geralt of Rivia. I thought he was a bit of an edgelord, but he invited me to roleplay with his conclave of brooding rogue friends who turned out to be rather nice people out of character, just dog shit roleplayers. <laughs> it was around this time that the whole idea, the whole love, the PTR roleplay began to fundamentally, fundamentally come apart at the seams. The only reason this entire community existed was because we were poor. <laughs> And we couldn't pay for subscriptions to play on the live realms. But both of these things were being patched away as Wad loomed closer. The PTR was going to close. Oh no. It was going to close for an extended period of time upon the expansions coming. Oh, the story of the pause congregate. So this is why I don't bump into these guys. These guys are playing the PTR after the PTR patch has come out. And they just left the PTR online. They were just playing PTR WoW for months. Oh, big sad to the pause, man. Big sad. <clears throat> like unknowingly stepping on an ant colony. It was the death of a civilization. I enjoyed Wad's launch, meeting the orcish legends of old and battling my way through Blackrock Foundry. I even returned to role-playing on Moonguard, but it wasn't the same without my infinite armada of character templates. But the PTR finally came back, though. It was a ghost town. There wasn't a looking for more kingdom role-playing site. The old guilds that I'd known had crumbled into dust. And I assumed that a lot of them simply just played something else. Or played private realms. As I trekked through the soulless streets of Stormwind, occasionally spying someone using the PTR for actually intended purposes like sweaty nerds. Fuck you. I couldn't help but reflect on the people I'd met. The experiences I'd had. It was truly the wild west of roleplay. An untapped frontier known only to a small, very small circle of knowing. And while the world may forget, I'll remember the legend of that PTR roleplay. Nowadays, I'm 20 years old. Fuck me, was Mop that long ago? Jesus Christ. I'm now 20 years old and have long since quit World of Warcraft to focus on my real life. Though Drama Time still remains one of my favorite podcasts. Your videos, though, on Final Fantasy XIV have convinced me to give it a shot. 
And as you can imagine, with my love of story, I've been having an absolute blast as I work my way through the MSQ. I'm still in heaven's waters as writing this, and I hope you enjoy my little chronicle of somewhat unorthodox experiences in WoW. I hope you all have a fantastic evening. PTR. It do doesn't surprise me, actually, that there's whole communities that build up on the free-to-play side where there's one of us, one of us. Oh, maybe. Maybe one of us, one of us. Salamat! 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 Uh... Let's, let's do one more. I want to do one more. Uh, I want to do this one called Hospital. This sounds interesting. It's a what the fuck story. Okay, let's do one more. It's World of Warcraft put me in hospital. I mean, we, ha we can't ignore that. <laughs> we can't ignore that. World of Warcraft put me in hospital. Okay. <clears throat> it does sound a bit ominous. It does. Uh, no names? Okay, no names. Leave those names up. <clears throat> World of Warcraft put me in hospital. Let's see how this goes. <clears throat> Beth Bex laughing at someone in hospital. <laughs> it's in character, maybe. <clears throat> it started out... Oh, I got I think we need a more ominous tone here. <clears throat> it started out like any other Wednesday night. I was questing on my paladin in preparation for Wrath of the Lich King Classic, killing moths in Cenarian Thicket, Terracar Forest. I was pretty relaxed. I would not describe the Burning Crusade retribution as high-octane gameplay. I was fighting one such moth when out of nowhere, I was attacked by something evil. A feral druid. I immediately stunned him as fast as I could. Moth and Druid in tow. As the Druid dashed towards me, I used Seal of Justice and judged him, negating his extra run speed. As the Moth lost interest in me, I paused in my tracks and turned to face the feral beast. As we met toe-to-toe, -to -toe, he unleashed his fury upon my divine shield, refusing to heal himself. As the shield fell, I casted Lay on Hands, and with each attack it became clear that this was not a fight that the Druid could ever win. Shifting to travel farm, he turned and fled. Again, I used the seal of justice and gave chase. Catching up to him in my pursuit of justice, he shifted and wrapped my legs in entangling roots. With a blessing of freedom, I stepped free of his roots. Judgment, hammer of wrath, and the druid lay on the floor, dead. I was victorious. My heart was pounding. I often react this way to world PvP of all things. Arenas do not get the same reaction from me, nor do battlegrounds, nor do first kill attempts on a hard raid boss, nor does physical exercise. But world PvP? The adrenaline coursing through my body was some real shit. But something was wrong. I began to hyperventilate. Oh no. You having a heart attack? Because you saw a feral druid? My hands were tingling and going numb. I decided to make sure I was safe, so I got on my mount and ran until I reached the safety of Shatrath. Priorities. <laughs> oh my god, you fucking nerd. <laughs> I think I'm having a heart attack, but I'm not going to die out here, mate. <laughs> I'm not going to die out here like an idiot. That's not happening. <laughs> I got up and lay down on my bed. 
but my condition was worsening. Dude, I lost feeling and control of my left arm, and I felt my right arm going the same way. While I still had dexterity in my right hand, I called 999. I explained my situation to the operator with difficulty as my lips were stuck in an O shape. Using the limited mobility in my remaining hand, I held my lips open that I could be better understood. Holy fuck. She asked for my age, 25. If my family had a history of strokes, no. And my location, not telling you. Holy shit, I thought. I'm having a fucking stroke. The operator told me to expect an ambulance in 40 minutes and to call back if I needed to update them. This left me plenty of time to think about what the hell was happening to me. I thought to myself, I'm having a fucking stroke because I got attacked by a druid in WoW. I then thought I need to call work and tell them I won't be in. <laughs> I then thought my friends are going to take the piss out of me for this. Well, you're obviously okay, so absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. My next thought was, I hope I don't get brain damage. Now, this is UK. The number 999 is the UK emergency number. 911 is the US one. As time passed, the symptoms started to relax. I noticed I could control my left hand, but I had no feeling in it. Well, I'd never tried sleeping... So, do you just have a muscle spasm? While I'd never tried a sleeping beauty before, I wasn't really in the mood. By the time the ambulance arrived, I'd pretty much recovered. The paramedics did some tests and everything seemed normal. I stayed at the hospital from 12am till 9am while they did further tests and everything was perfectly fine. While I was in the waiting room, I met a homeless guy who asked for some money. I was feeling generous, so I handed him £10. I spoke with a doctor who explained that the most likely cause was a heart palpitation which fortunately is way less severe than heart, uh, heart attack. His recommendation was to eat better and do more exercise. <laughs> I said thanks and left the hospital. As I'm walking home, I found the homeless guy from earlier with two friends of his. Then I noticed the homeless guy give the £10 I had given him to his friend in exchange for a small wrapped object no bigger than a thumb. It was here that I realized that I was a complete idiot. They weren't his friends, they were drug dealers. The homeless guy noticed me and his dealer offered to give me a lift home. No thanks. Perhaps the offer was genuine, but it was not, not, that was not a risk worth taking. I got on the bus and safely made my way home instead. The moral of the story is, being super skinny does not mean you're healthy. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Two. You should take good care of yourselves. Eh. <laughs> and number three, I can't help but think that the druid technically won. <laughs> Thanks for reading my little story. I hope you had a good laugh at my expense. I'm not laughing. That's terrifying. You lost complete feeling in one of your arms and your face fucking froze up? What the hell, dude? That's terrifying. That's really scary. Jesus Christ. Well, there's a burrito for that dude, right? Nerf druids? Yeah, dude. That's that's really scary. Fuck that. Especially over WoW PvP. <laughs> what the fuck? That's horrible. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop there and go and see my family and bring today to an end. But tomorrow, I hope to see you again.
because it's PreachCon ticket day. It's PreachCon ticket day tomorrow, and I really look forward to seeing you dudes. So, God bless, good luck, and see you all again, all right? Everyone go for a walk. I'm going to do that. I've been sat in this chair all day. I'm going to go for a walk and see things. Have a great weekend, dudes, if I'm not going to see you tomorrow, but hopefully I will. God bless, and uh, sort your chocobos out, all right? Bye-bye.